You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Let me ask you a couple questions this morning. What would your dream job be when you grow up? Or what would it be right now? Perhaps maybe you want to be a police officer and uphold the law. Or maybe you want to be a firefighter and save people from fires. Maybe you want to be a rock star or someone famous and have tons of money and fame. Next question. How do you want to be remembered? Maybe you want to be, maybe you want to be remembered as generous, kind, loving, awesome, rich, or powerful. Maybe as a good friend, mother, father, or, or even an awesome, perfect brother like me. Final question. How do you want others to see you? I think the first two questions sort of answer this question. You want others to see you as a good person. In churchy terms, you want to be considered as righteous or holy. How does a person become holy or righteous in the eyes of their peers? Well, you follow commandments 4 through 10, and you follow the cultural norms and rules. For example, if you are in the church help out regularly, don't kill anyone, are super nice to the vicar, and everything that makes you look like a great person, these things make you righteous in the eyes of everyone around. If you do that, you will be considered righteous, holy, and maybe even a saint. Oh, I forgot one thing, though. You also need people who are losers. You need people who don't do what is right in the church, such as showing up late, not helping, breaking the commandments publicly. You need someone you can uh, compare yourself to. If you think these are the things that make you righteous, woe to you. Let me say that one more time for good measure. If you think these are the things that make you righteous, woe to you. Let me, retell, let me retell a parable Jesus told first, and you can decide, who do you want to be? The one who lives a righteous life, or the one who is justified? Jesus is speaking and teaching on his way to Jerusalem. He tells the people a parable, the Pharisee and the tax collector. In Luke chapter 18, we read, he also told us this parable. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Who do you want to be out of these two men? Pharisees were the highest of the high. They were role models of society. Parents would have have wanted their kids to grow up and be a Pharisee. Tax collectors, on the other hand, were the lowest of the low. To work with money was to be considered a terrible thing. Whatever you can think of being the worst job is, that is better than being a tax collector. It wasn't just a terrible job, it also defined you. It defined your life, and you were considered the lowest of the low. So, who do you want to be? We answer that question every day of our life. We want to be the Pharisee. Well, maybe not the Pharisee himself, but we want his station in life. 
We said this at the beginning of our sermon. It does not matter how you answered the questions at the beginning of the sermon because we all want fame, glory, a good reputation. We all want praise and we all want to be seen in the best of light. In other words, we want to be the God of our life. We want to judge others and be deemed good at the end of the judgment. We want the law because we want to use it against our neighbor. And so we can be better than our neighbor. We misuse the law. It is like bringing a sword and using it to eat dinner. You brought the sword to scare off everyone from the table so you could have the finest parts of the meal and all the dessert. But at the end of the dinner, like the end of life, you realize that the dinner wasn't great and you accidentally chopped off all your limbs trying to eat dinner with a sword. This is us misusing the law so we can appear great in the eyes of our peers and in the judgmental eyes of ourselves. We want to be acknowledged for all the wonderful things we do. We want others to see how wonderful we are, but this can only be done if there is an awful person in the church. We need to compare ourselves to a loser. For you to show how wonderful you are, you need to compare yourself to someone else. Black or white, tall or small, rich or poor, good or evil, beautiful or ugly. We want to compare and judge and find ourselves on top. Our Pharisee compares himself to others in our text for today. In fact, the word Pharisee means the separated one. And this is what he does in our parable and what we do in our lives. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I get. We compare ourselves to others so we can get an ego boost. Thank you, God, for not making me like that vicar. Or thank you, God, for letting me have better morals than that guy who cheats on his girlfriend or wife. Or thank you, God, because I am able to give tons of money to the church so they can have a super awesome library named after me. We do these works to show that we are better than everyone around us. We want to be seen in all our awesome glory. <clears throat> By doing this, we show that we are righteous and better than others. So God has to deal with us better than others. We exalt ourselves over our friends, families, neighbors, and all people so that we can look up, so they can look up at us and what we did. We don't stop there, though. We exalt ourselves above God. So he has to look up at us and deal with us better. We try to show God our good works, but all we are doing and saying is this, God, I trust my works and not you, so you better reward me for what I have done. But God does not deal with us in that way. For he says in Luke 16:15, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Uh-oh. What we consider to be righteous is an abomination to God. But why is this true? 
In Isaiah 64, 6, we read, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. We think we can be holy through outward acts. This is like trying to heal a broken bone that is sticking out of your leg by putting a Band-Aid on it. We can only try to fix the symptoms, but we can't heal the actual problem. What an insightful image Jesus gives us about our condition. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are all like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. Matthew twenty three twenty seven. You may appear to be beautiful and righteous, but underneath this false mask is a rotting corpse that has no life. Do you really want to be a Pharisee? A rotting corpse that has no future, but more decay and rot? Or do you want to be the lowly tax collector, a rotten corpse that is plainly seen as rotting, but the future of this corpse is life? Let us continue with our parable for today. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I don't know about all of you, but when I first heard this story, I always thought the tax collector was a fool and not very smart. After all, we are given the stereotype that bad people are usually dumb. But this couldn't be farther from the truth. There's only one theologian in this story, and it isn't the one you think it is. It is the tax collector, not the Pharisee. Let me say that again. The theologian in this text is a tax collector and not the Pharisee. The tax collector knows God. He knows man. He knows sin. And he knows the consequences of his sin. The tax collector has a terrified conscience before God. He knows he is a dead corpse that will be sent to hell. He has not done enough to gain eternal life. He knows he is a sinner. I hope and pray you all are this tax collector. I pray, I pray that you all have had the hammer of God smote upon you so that you know your sin and that you are a sinner. It does not matter if you are an extortioner, unjust, adulterer, liar, or skipper of church on Sundays. You all will reap what you have sown. You will get your reward. The wages of sin is death. The tax collector knows this. And the Pharisee does not. The tax collector was in a state of repentance. He felt contrition, and he saw the abyss of hell staring right back at him. But he did not fall into despair and believe his sins were bigger than God. Our text says he said to God, have mercy. This is a bad translation. It is more like this. God, you see my sin. I deserve death and hell, but you promised to forgive my sins. You have promised to send a Savior. Please, please, sacrifice yourself so that I may live in your mercy. God does show mercy, but he does it through his grace. 
Mercy is an act that may not be self-sacrificing, but grace is always self-sacrificing. You don't deserve life. You deserve death. No matter how much work you do or have done, you will still die. This is why the tax collector is the theologian and why I pray you will be this tax collector or are. He knows God is the one who judges and he is the one who has shown mercy and gives us grace. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was put to death in your place. He felt the full blow of the hammer of God. He was smote by God's wrath, by God's wrath for you. To go back to my analogy of the broken leg, Jesus came and gave us his perfect legs and took us and took ours. The tax collector is a sinner, but he knows God forgives and Jesus tells us this in his parable. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. The tax collector was justified. He was declared righteous. He was given a righteous life. He was made holy by the God who is holy. All these things happened not by his doing or by his confession, but by God's grace. Jesus Christ died for this tax collector. He died for me. He died for you. He died for you all, so that you all would have life. The Pharisee was not justified. He did not believe in God. He did not know God. He trusted in his own works and their wages, which are death. Even now, though, God is merciful. He gives a warning to those who live in death by their good works. Jesus ends his parable with a warning. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Those who seek the righteous life as a Pharisee will be humbled. Will be humbled. Judgment day will come. <clears throat> On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I, Jesus, will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Matthew seven, twenty-two through 23. This will be humbling. They will have earned their wages. But to the one who is justified, but to the one who is justified, declared righteous for the sake of Christ, will hear this on judgment day. Come to you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Matthew twenty-five thirty-four. This is the gift that the sinner receives who is justified by Christ. This is what you will receive. They do not deserve it, but they are given the inheritance of Christ. You who believe in Christ are this sinner. You will receive the gift of eternal life for the sake of Christ Jesus. I started this sermon with a question. Who do you want to be? The wonderful thing about this question is that God answers it for us and for the Christian. We are by nature the Pharisee who praises and exalts himself over others 
and God himself. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior, he makes us the tax collector. He shows us mercy. He sees our sin that Christ took upon himself, and he sees clean people who have no flaws. You who believe are saved for the sake of your Savior, Jesus Christ. He died in your place and took your sins so you would live with him in everlasting life. You are forgiven. You are justified. When you head home this morning, you are holy and loved by God because of Jesus Christ, and you will go home justified. Amen. Now may the peace that surpasses now now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.